Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Today's going to be a great day. There's so many exciting things going on uh, in the life of our church. So do me a favor, if you will, right now. Um, let's just welcome Pastor Scott Huff, our associate pastor, as he brings today's message. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Chris. I am super excited to be able to bring today's message. Uh, we are in week six of our Hope in the Dark series. Uh, we've been looking at the book of First Peter. We are into chapter three. Pastor Chris hit, the, uh, hit some, uh, we'll say, tense topics the last couple of weeks of submitting to authority, and then also wives submit to your husbands the last two weeks. So when he asked me to preach, I said, what's the topic? Before I committed and said yes, and then find out what the topic was like, oh yeah, I'm good. Let's do that. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. And so uh, I'm excited to be able to bring today's message to you out of 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, here's one of the things. Uh, my wife kind of, and a lot of people will tell you that I am a picky eater. I'm accused of being that, and I would say more than accused, I am a picky eater. Uh, I, I struggle to eat and to test things, to try things out. There's a lot of things that I don't like. I don't like seafood. Sorry, I live in Charleston. I, it all tastes fishy. That's all I'm saying. Every bit of it tastes fishy to me, uh, but I don't like seafood. Another thing I don't like is vegetables. That's pretty self-explanatory. Like, it's vegetables. Who likes vegetables, right? You're weird if you do. I'm sorry. But the other thing I don't like is hot fruit. Pies, don't do it. Can't do it. Can't handle it. And then the worst thing for me is when somebody sets down at the table a big old casserole. You take all this good stuff and you mix it together and then you pour cream of garbage on the top and you expect people to eat it. And I just, I struggle with that. I really, I really do. And, and so uh, my wife actually says I have the taste buds of a seven-year-old. I like to say I just found what I like to eat by the time I was seven and I don't need to try anything out or add anything new to the mix. Why, why mess up a good thing when I've got a good thing going, right? But when I tell you this, I, it, you know, it's, I, I never go to a dinner, uh, I never go out to eat, I ne I'm never disappointed because I, I know what I'm eating. Because it's hard to mess up a burger and chicken fingers, right? Like, it's hard to mess that up. But in all honesty, I tell you that, one, in case you invite me over because I want to lay a good foundation before you decide what you're going to have to eat that night. But two, because I think this does have a lot to do with our faith and the fact that there is a lot of flavor in God's church, in his church, not just our church right here coastal, but like the church as a whole, the whole world as a church. And there's a lot of flavor that's a part of that. And I tell you that because flavor makes things interesting, doesn't it? Sometimes bad flavor, sometimes good flavor, but it always is going to make it interesting. And the church has flavor. In fact, the lives of Christians in community, living in community together, isn't always perfect, but it will always be rewarding. And in the end, you will be blessed. When you bring a lot of flavors to the church and you see a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different discussions and topics and things that are important and priorities to different people, it can bring, a flavor can bring a lot of interesting things to the church, but ultimately it is going to bring you a rewarding life as you spend time with God's people. And so today I want to read 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read uh, just these first couple verses of verses 8 and 9. And it says this, Finally, all of you, and this is all of you, he's talking to, to Christians, to people that follow Christ. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. You see right here, Peter has given a list of virtues. He followed it up talking about submitting to uh, authority, submitting and wives submitting to your husbands. Then he goes right into here to a message for all believers saying, finally, all of you do these things. Have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. Have a humble mind. He gives this list of virtues that all believers are called to demonstrate at all times. There's a pastor and author by the name of Francis Chan who wrote a book called Multiply, and he says this, being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we learn from him. 
fellowship with him, and obey everything he commands us. That we follow him, that we learn from him, we fellowship with him, and that we obey everything that he commands us. Everything. This is hard for us to hear. Sometimes as a pastor, we get in this rut of trying to sugarcoat things. And, but here, I want, I want to take off my pastor hat for just a moment and be very clear and, and, and say this because I think it's something that we all need to hear, and that's this, is that God expects you to behave and live like Jesus all the time. That's the expectation. Do we fall short of it? Oh, yeah, all the time. But here's the deal. We are going to mess up. We are going to sin. But yes, we are forgiven. But we can't use this as an excuse to sin, like a, like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And we also can't use this as a reason to just go at it halfway and just say, I'm going to put some effort into it. You know, check my boxes off, show up at church, uh, get baptized, and then kind of, you know, show up to, to serve every so often. I'm going to just kind of check these boxes when what we are called to do is to behave and to live like Christ day in and day out in our life, in all the areas of our life. And so many in today's church, we struggle with that because we think if I just do enough of the good things and, I, and outweigh my bad things, that I, and then I'm okay and that God's happy with me and that God is, is good with me. But every Christian believes in, in who this, this, same, this same Jesus, but we have to put it into practice and we actually have to live it out. So every Christian believes in the same Jesus, but each one lives their life differently. Some of us live it well, some of us don't live it quite as well. But we have to behave and we have to live like Christ because we all have the same object of our faith but we have a little bit different flavor in the way that it plays out in our daily life. Monday to, Monday to Saturday, before you show up at church on Sunday, or as soon as you get home today and what it looks like the rest of the week in your life. Do the people around you know that you're a Christ follower? Do they know that you attended church yesterday, but do they know it's more than just attending church for you, but that it's actually a relationship? It's a transformation of your heart. And I tell you these things because flavor is something that uh, can, can spice things up and it can challenge all of us and keep us accountable. And there's all these things that can work together for that. You know, I am a, uh, as I just mentioned, I, I'm a picky eater, but I have a lot of select things that I like. One of those is McDonald's Coke. Anybody like McDonald's Coke? McDonald's Coke is the best Coke. And you think this is a, sub, a subjective thing, like, oh, uh, you know, uh, but no, this is an objective thing. This is fact. McDonald's has the best Coke. And let me tell you why McDonald's has the best Coke. Not because there's just golden arches, but McDonald's has the best Coke because they actually treat the substance of the Coca-Cola differently. They receive the exact same syrup that all the other you know, vendors and restaurants receive, but they do it a little bit differently, and they do it by this. First thing they do is that they receive and transport and store the McDonald's, McDonald's Coke, the syrup, into stainless steel drums instead of plastic bags. They do that because it keeps it more fresh. But another thing that they do is that they actually take uh, the water that is mixed with the syrup and they store that in a refrigerator, like an actual refrigerator. They don't just store it in the little soda machine dispenser, but it's stored in a, in a refrigerator where it's then transferred to the syrup to meet the syrup right before it goes into your cup. It's transferred through insulated tubes to help keep it even more fresh, but also to keep it even more cold. And because the colder liquid actually traps the CO2 bubbles into the, into the water, but then into the syrup even more so, so that it's a little more fizzy, a little fizzier, a little fizzlicious compared to the other places. So it's a little more fresh, but it's also a little more fizzy. But another thing it does is that McDonald's actually has tweaked the syrup to water ratio where the syrup is a little bit stronger because they have taken into account the fact that you are going to put that syrup and water into a cup with ice. 
And then it's going to take a few minutes for you to actually receive the Coke, put your straw in it, and take that first drink. And so then when you receive it, just a few minutes after all those things come together, the first and best taste of Coke is actually just a few minutes into the experience of receiving a Coke. You say, man, you are a romantic. And you're right about my soda and especially my sweet tea from Chick-fil-A. But I'll say that for another, another message. But here's why I tell you that. Just like all Coke vendors receive the same Coke, all Christians have received the same Jesus. But the Christ-likeness of each believer, the way that it looks, the way that your faith tastes, varies based on the outcomes of the thing around you, the circumstances, the way it's treated, and ultimately the way that you are convicted to live your life for Christ. You see, it's based on the way the Christian has been led and been taught. The pastors that you've sat under, the books that you've read, the amount of time you spent in God's word, the time that you've spent in worship and in serving alongside other people that are in community with Christ, but also based on the circumstances that you have faced. The things that you've been through in your life affect how your faith has played out day in and day out. The things that you went through as a child, as a kid, maybe before you ever went to church, maybe before you were saved, or the things that have happened since you've been saved will change and will alter the way that you live out your faith compared to maybe the person that's sitting right next to you. But also, based on the individual, and maybe this is most important, based on the individual's conviction and desire to actually live your life like Christ. Christians, I want to tell you this, is that your life may look a little bit different through the week than, the other, than another Christian. Because maybe you're coming from a different starting point. Or maybe you're coming from different outside forces. But each one of us, has faith in the same Jesus that transforms and changes our souls all the same way. Will you let him in? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Which leads to the very first point, very first truth for today, and that's this. The substance of your faith is what the Spirit has done in your life since surrendering to Jesus. The substance of your faith is what the Spirit has done in your life since surrendering to Jesus. Your faith, the, the main point, the main substance of your faith is, is, is what the Spirit has done since you have actually turned your life and surrendered your life to Jesus, how the Spirit has worked in you. And so you take these things, and I want you to understand, because uh, I think some of you have been through things that, man, I, I can't even imagine. You've been through ups and downs that I can't even imagine. I don't know what everybody's going through, but here's what I do know is that these things have shaped your ability to be more or less like Christ. In the way that you have reacted or responded in these situations, the way that your life has been, the way that the, your, your parents or people or adults or leaders that were around you, the way that uh, you have uh, built a relationship with those that are within the church or the people that are in your family and the, how they have led you or taught you about who Jesus is. Some of you, you might have to work a little bit harder to love or to forgive or to show mercy than maybe the next person. Because you have some baggage that you carry that makes it really hard for you to love or to trust someone or it makes it really hard for you to forgive someone because you haven't quite been forgiven or maybe you haven't been able to offer forgiveness because of things that you may feel guilt for. But Peter gives us a list of different things here. I'm gonna kind of walk through a few of these. He says to be, uh, have unity of mind, to be like-minded. So the question is, are you like-minded or are you disagreeable? Need, we all need community and some of us uh, are just hard to be around. Right? Some, uh, some of you are just, just disagreeable. You are, it's hard to be around you. And when we want to be in community, we want to be in community with people that are about unity and want to be around other people. 
Anybody ride a Peloton bike? Is that anybody? Anybody do a Peloton bike? I don't do a Peloton bike. I, I don't have one. Uh, but like a Peloton bike, I hear all these people, man, they're all about the Peloton bike. There's commercials all about it. Well, let me tell you this. This might blow your mind. Do you know that Peloton bikes don't, the Peloton does not sell stationary bicycles? Peloton actually sells community. Think about it. You're riding your bike, yes, but that's just a, a method to get to the ultimate kind of message of community. When you pull up that screen to make it look like you're outside, when you could just go outside, but you'll look at a screen and make it feel like you're outside. And you look at the screen and there's this coach who's like yelling at you and train, and you got other people in the room, you know, that are talking, and there's this whole thing. And what people like about this is here is community, but if it's a coach or if there's people in there that they don't like, they just switch to another one. They just find another community right there, like boom, point blank, and they find another class and they do that one instead. We all need community. But we don't like to be around people that are constantly argumentative or constantly disagree with, with our perspective and our viewpoint. But we have to look for the things that are in common and focus on that to be, have a unity of mind, as Peter tells us. Another thing he says here is to have sympathy. Sympathy or a, a kindness. So the question is, are you sympathetic or are you more hostile? See, kindness is a gesture that I think could go a long way in today's world. Would you agree? If we would just be kind. Man, just be kind to one another. People are just so hostile about everything. You know what I miss? I miss about what I miss about Facebook. I miss when people just used to post pictures of their food, man. Like those were the days. Or when somebody wanted help with their virtual farm. Hey, click this so I can like milk a cow or click this so I can get some beans from my farm. I didn't know what it was, but I did it. I was happy to. Now everybody's fighting about everything. It's like, man, let's go back to the good old days. See pictures of food, virtual farms, crush some candy, that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. We are always thinking that someone is out to get us. We have this hostile attitude instead of being sympathetic, instead of being kind to one another. But another thing he mentions here is brotherly love. Are you friendly, like brotherly love, or are you harsh? Because brotherly love can show that you actually care about a person's soul. When you really genuinely care and are friendly towards someone, it shows that you care about their soul. And here's a, maybe a mind-blowing thing for some people that are listening right now. It's okay to love people and be sensitive to their needs. Did you know that? That it's okay. It's okay to, to, to love people and be sensitive to their needs. It's, it's okay to, to think and be thoughtful of other people. This is one that I like to think I'm pretty good at because I worked with teenagers for almost 15 years. And let me tell you how many times a teenager said something that made no sense and was dumb and was stupid to me. And I just went, yeah. When I wanted to be like, you know, like, and, and we've all been there. We've all been and said and done those things, right? But like I had to, to put on this, this smile of like, you know, Bless his heart, you know, like those kinds of, most, of, of moments. But I had to smile and just, you know, treat somebody as being friendly. And, and, be, and I try to be friendly to anyone that I encounter because you never know what they're going through or what they've been through. You never know where they're at right now in their life and the decisions are uh, something bad news or good news that they may have just heard. So we need to try and be friendly and not so harsh. Because I think it's cool to realize that a smile, just a simple smile can change the trajectory of a person's faith. A simple smile could change the trajectory and the, the, the day that they are having just by simply being friendly and not so harsh. Another thing that Peter uh, says right here, he says to have a tender heart, to be tenderhearted or compassionate. So are you tenderhearted and compassionate or are you, are you indifferent towards people? You see, you don't always think that, or we need to realize and not always think that it's about us when someone else is struggling, they seem upset or they're angry in the way that they respond to us. It's not always about you and me. It could actually be about something that they've been going through or that they're facing right now in their life that you have no idea. Sometimes we need to give people the benefit of the doubt. But all people have all sorts of problems and it's not always you. Don't just be indifferent towards them either, but actually take a moment and listen. 
How many times has somebody told you something they're going through and you're like, man, I'm gonna pray for you. And then you walk off. What if actually in that moment you, say, you hear somebody tell you something and said, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's do that. Man, the amount of meaning that that gives to that person, for one, it shows that you care about their soul and about who they are and about what they're going through, that you're sensitive to their needs. It's about being tenderhearted. Their faith may be hanging on by a thread and your compassion in that moment may be exactly what keeps them from losing it altogether. If we would just be compassionate. Another thing he says is to uh, have a humble mind, to be humble. Now, this one is pretty self-explanatory. Do we, are we humble or are we prideful? How do you live your life? Dan, is it pride in you? Is it pride in, uh, or is it pride in Christ? What, where's your pride in it? But ultimately, are you being humble and are you living a life of humility? My wife says sometimes I can be pretty, uh, pretty pride, prideful, you know, pretty proud and, 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 you know, and be pretty prideful sometimes, but I don't really know what she's talking about because I'm the most humble guy I know. And some of you all get that later. But uh, I tell you that because like, you know, we have these moments of, of humility, but we also have these moments of pride. And the idea is that we need to outweigh those. We need to balance those things out where like we can have, we need to live our life in humility and be humble because we know that we cannot get through this world and ultimately eternity on our own, but we need to have pride in the one that we should have pride in. And that's the one that we should boast in. That's in Jesus Christ. You see, when I have moments of pride, I like to think it's because I have moments of pride because I already know what Jesus has done in my life and I know what he's going to do ahead. I already know that he's overcome death and the grave and he's given me victory through him and how, the way that he lived his life, but ultimately the way that he died on the cross and died for my sins. Which leads to number two, what is happening in your heart and mind is what is creating the world around you. What is happening in your heart and mind is what is creating the world around you. Now, there is an author by the name of A.W. Tozer who I love to read. He wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. Very good book. I'd recommend it to you. Uh, but he says this. He says, you can see God from anywhere if your mind is set to love and obey him. You can see God from anywhere if your mind is set to love and to obey him. Because what's happening in your heart and mind is ultimately what is creating the world around you. But if you would look from wherever you're at, if you have a focus, if your mind is set to love and obey Jesus, you can see him from anywhere. From wherever you've come from, from whatever past stories and past struggles and past life that you have been going through, whatever you're facing right now in your job, in your family situation, and all the stuff that you've got going on, wherever you are at, if you are focused on loving and obeying God, that you can see him from any of those places. This is a, a quote that, man, it stuck with me because I realized this, that if you desire to be like Christ, then it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Christ can change you and he can change your world. He can change you. He can transform you. He can transform your world that you are going through if you would just focus in and say, I'm going to love and obey Christ because he wants a relationship with you. He wants that relationship and he wants to mold you and he wants to shape you to become more like him. Like a, a surgeon wielding a scalpel, he wants to cut and remove all the sinful dirt and evil things away from you and away from your heart and away from your soul. And he wants to replace them with his words, with his compassion, with his love and with his mercy and to mold you and shape you to become more like Jesus. The biggest thing for so many of you is that are you convicted that Jesus really is who he says that he is and that he is the Lord of your life? And that you're allowing him to change and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because what's happening in your heart and mind is ultimately what's revealing and creating this world and the culture that's around you. And sometimes we don't look very much like Jesus, do we? Sometimes we struggle with this. For example, we retaliate when we should stand in peace. 
You see, in verse 9, it says, don't repay evil for evil or uh, insult for insult is what it's saying. When somebody does evil towards you or insults you, don't repay them with evil. Don't repay them with insult. A heart changed by Jesus should seek to respond like Jesus. You see, God's people should always obey his instructions despite how counterintuitive they may seem to be at the time. There's a lot of these situations in, in the Bible when we read, we hear Jesus say to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense, right? That seems weird and, and, and crazy. Like, I, that's, that's odd. I don't, I don't get that. That's, you know, why would we love our enemies? Why do, we, why do we pray for those that are persecute us? It's because we have the love of Christ. And he says to show compassion, to show mercy, to forgive. It's weird. It's weird to respond to hate with love, isn't it? It's not what the world would tell us to do, but it's what Jesus calls us to do. It's illogical to respond to wrongdoing with forgiveness. When someone's maybe even not very repentant or apologetic of it, to actually offer forgiveness and to forgive them for what they've done. The next time someone attacks you, respond in peace. Not like a walk all over me type retreat, but like a standing down from taking the aggression to the next level type of peace. Jesus was attacked by people who lied and cheated to try and have him killed. But you know what he did? He still loved them. He still forgave them. And ultimately, he still died for them. That's important for you and for me to hear. And it's for you all out there that you are watching right now. It is important for you to know that Jesus was attacked by these people who lied and cheated. But ultimately, what he did was that he still loved them. He still forgave them. And then he still died for them. Because here's the deal. We are those people. That we constantly turn away from Jesus day in and day out. Even those of us that have a relationship with Christ, that we will walk away and step away from Jesus because the things of this world are calling on us and calling us to, to step into something that is sinful, that is evil, that is a, a temptation. We will give in and we will turn our back and walk away from him in that moment. But you know what he does? He still loves us and he still forgives us and he still has died on the cross for each and every one of our sins. I don't know if you saw it this last week or so, but this commercial of the two candidates running for governor for the state of Utah, how they did a commercial together and said, you know what, we disagree on things, but we're here in unity because we want what's best for our state. And man, if two politicians can peacefully disagree, why can Christians, why can we not do this? Is it too much to ask of you not to call someone an idiot and cuss them out on Facebook because they disagree with you? Maybe your political view is different than them. You know, we're on social media and we call people out and we're like, you blankety blank, blank, blank. And then like two minutes later, we post like, come to church on Sunday. Love Jesus. Have some fun. It's going to be great. We're going to worship the Lord. Do me a favor. Don't mention Coastal in that post if you've already just like badmouthed somebody else right before that. Like just, just tell them people you love Jesus and you're working it out, right? Like we have these, these back and forth moments where like in a moment we will forget how Jesus has changed and transformed and convicted our lives and how he's molding us and shaping us to be more like him. And we, you know, we respond back you know, on, our, on, our, on our keyboards or whatever and we do that or we respond out of, out of anger towards someone so quick when we forget the fact that we have wronged God but he continually forgives us day in and day out and somebody wrongs us one time and we're done. We don't forgive them. Well, man, you don't know what they did. Well, do you know what you did and in the way that you have run away from God and you have sinned against him over and over, but yet he forgives you each and every single time? What's happening in our heart is going to be revealed outwardly. So what's happening in your heart? Which leads to number three, the way you respond to temptation is direct revelation of your true conviction about Jesus. The way you respond in the moment of temptation directly reveals your true conviction about who Jesus is. When you are tempted by something and you look at and you have the option to disobey Jesus and give in, or you have the option to obey Jesus and to turn away or run away from that temptation, what you do in that moment ultimately reveals what you actually think about who Jesus is. 
It ultimately reveals your conviction about who he is. Responding to your critics in humility and meekness, it's the Jesus way. It's the way that he wants us to live our life. Conviction about Jesus should lead us to pursue the righteous God by running away from sin and running towards love and towards service. All those things that were mentioned in these verses eight and nine are ways that we can act out our love towards people, but it's also a way that we can act, way that we can act out our service towards people. We all need to serve others to grow in our own sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming holy and becoming more like Jesus. But we need to serve others to grow in this way. Serving others is like blessing others. The more you help people, the more you will also see Christ's work in your own life. How many times have you heard somebody go on a mission trip and say, man, I was blessed when I was blessing other people by helping and serving them. Serving is something that we are all about here at Coastal. You hear about it every week. Uh, we just mentioned a little bit uh, earlier on the, before the worship that on Saturday, November 7th, we have our next Saturday service, the first Saturday of every month. We meet at 8.30 right out here uh, in the Welcome Center. There's a several variety of projects that you can come and be a part of. You hear the different kind of uh, leaders talk about what they're going to do that day. Ultimately, you just pick the one that you want to do that day, and you go and you serve. You serve your community and love on your community, and it's acting out the way that you truly think about who Jesus is. And on that Saturday, November 7th, there's also a blood drive that's going on, and you can actually sign up for that. We'll drop the link uh, in the comments. Uh, you can sign up. It'll be in Pastor Chris's uh, you know, Friday 5. You can sign up for the link as well on there. Let us know on your Connect card. But you can be a part of this blood drive where you can actually help because blood is something that is so needed right now that they're running on a shortage, and we need to be able to help out. We want to serve our community not just in physical needs but also in a health way through giving blood on Saturday, November 7th. And why do we do that? We don't do it just to make ourselves look good or self-promote, but the Bible tells us to serve. The Bible tells us to serve, and all the words in the Bible are God's words. Therefore, to disbelieve or disobey these words is to disbelieve or to disobey God. Each and every word written by God through human authors to us. Matthew 20, verse 28 says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus led by example. He led by example in how to support others. And we have this model to follow that's right there for us. If you're not serving, then you are missing out on a big addition, a big ingredient to the recipe of your faith. Which leads me to the last point that we have for today. And that's number four, bold proclamation of the gospel with your life leads to God's blessing in your life. Bold proclamation of the gospel. You proclaim the gospel in the way that you live your life day in and day out and the opportunities that you have to serve and the opportunities that you have to respond or make a poor or good choice uh, at work and the way that you lead people. But to proclaim the gospel with your life, it will lead to God blessing your life. God will work out your salvation through the acting out of your faith. You see, when I read the Bible and I read something that is different from my viewpoint, I automatically assume and have to assume that I am the one that's in the wrong. Think about that. What you think and what you believe and what you know, if you then read the Bible and you see that this is different than what you believe or what you think, you need to know and you need to assume you are the one that's in the wrong because God is perfect and God is in the right. Attempting to live like Jesus will lead us to his blessing and all who live blamelessly will receive that blessing from God. And we are not perfect people and we never will be. As humans, we have sin in our life that keeps us from living this way, but we have to try. And ultimately, God sees us as blameless when we have surrendered our life to Jesus because we have now replaced our heart, our, our, our human heart, and our kind of spiritual resume with the resume in the heart of Jesus, who is perfect. And God sees us as blameless, and we need to try and to live that out always. 
1 Peter 3, 10 through 12 says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, this is Peter quoting David uh, from Psalm 34, which is actually based off of the events of 1 Samuel 21, where David acts insane. He puts on this, this show of acting insane in front of Abimelech because he is fearful. He is living in fear. And here's why I tell you that, because fear can make each one of us all act and do things that aren't very Christ-like. Would you agree? They're just being fearful. And we're afraid about what the world's going to do, how, how, what uh, our coworkers will think, what our family will think, uh, the people that we encounter. What will people think if I live my life out and act crazy for Jesus? And we live that out in fear. David did, and in that moment, he wrote these words. In verse 10, it talks about loving life and seeing good days. Do you want to love life, and do you want to see good days? Then as it says right here, don't speak evil of anyone. Why? The Lord's face is against you. Don't speak evil of anyone. Don't lie or slander. Why? The Lord's face is against you. But what should you do? Turn away from all evil and do good. It says right here. See, the Lord's face will turn towards you. His face will shine upon you. To live that life, to seek peace by proclaiming the gospel with our lives, is what we are called to do and how we need to live our life out day in and day out. The day, you see, the eyes of the Lord are on the blameless. The ears of the Lord are listening to your prayer. The Lord is ready and willing to give you his blessing. The question is, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, any and every sin. He's calling you to himself and all you have to do is simply acknowledge that you are a sinner, repent of that sin, and to ask him and to surrender your life to him by asking him to Jesus, just take my life, take everything that I am, become the Lord and Savior of our life. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your word. God, how it speaks to each one of us. Father, I want to thank you for the fact that we can read these words of Peter. And Lord, that we can see these things, these, these words play out in our own life. And God, that we need to know that we need to live a life that's like this. A life that represents and that reflects who Jesus is. Father, for those that are in the room that don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that right now, that they would know that you are calling them to you. Father, they are, people are in here and they're coming from all different life stages, different perspectives, different situations and things that they're facing in their life. But God, it doesn't matter where we come from or where we're at right now. God, you want us. You're calling us to yourself. Father, I pray that they would know that they can start a relationship with you today by simply acknowledging their sin and who you are and asking you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And God, I pray that they would do that. Father, for those that are already Christ followers in the room, God, I pray that we would take the words of Peter today to our heart and that we would live a life that is full of sympathy, brotherly love, humility, all these things that were mentioned, that we would respond to retaliation correctly, that we would live a life that glorifies you and that when people see us in the way that we respond to anger, that we respond to moments of injustice, that God, that we would represent and reflect who Jesus is. Father, that's my prayer and that's my hope for us today. Father, in your son's name that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.